You're known as a woman of many firsts. Um, I know you were the first African American woman elected to Congress, and as I read, right, and even the first to give birth while in office. I read that as well, Um, and the first African American elected to the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. Um, Those are pretty impressive accomplishments. How do you feel about all that? Well, it's been very exciting to have an opportunity to serve in all of these different capacities in the state, in the federal, and here in the county board of supervisors. And it's been very exciting. And also, I I really hope that I've made a contribution. Okay. And um, do you think you have? I mean, in the past few years, do you think that you've made some changes in your district? Oh, absolutely. We've done some wonderful things. You know, I know that most people concentrate on the hospital, which is very tragic, and we're trying to get the hospital reopened. Mm-hmm. But actually having the largest uh, building constructed in South Los Angeles, we had a building that we've had two that went up that provide county services. They're county buildings. Actually, it's a arrangement of where a private developer comes in and leases it to the county providing services for children and family services, mental health, all of those services. We've had two examples of those buildings going up in South Los Angeles, probably the first new large buildings in the last 30 or 40 years. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, I also read that you are improving transportation throughout Los Angeles. Right. Well, we fought very hard for Crenshaw and uh, also for the Expo line to try to make sure that we do have uh, rail lines that are effective, and of course we want them safe, but people need transportation. And the rapid bus has made a real difference in some of our communities. Oh, definitely. Um, what about anything with economic development or affordable housing? We have any number of new housing projects that have come in. And the important thing is that it's been a public-private partnership of where we have developed uh, housing for moderate and low income. So moderate housing that attracts people back into the community. Home ownership has been something that we've emphasized. Okay. Um, what are some of the things that you've done for the second district that you're most proud of? Well, there are a lot of programs that we've brought into the second district that have been copied throughout the other parts of the United States, for instance, family to family, when children and family services, what we've tried to do is to go into churches and get people to adopt children or take foster children in with the idea that you get children who are abused and neglected to go into positive homes with positive role models and people who are dedicated and concerned with trying to give those children a new direction in life. And those programs have been very, very successful. Um, can you give me an example of any of the, maybe the children that you met or the families that you met um, that kind of might have touched you during all this? Well, there's so many stories of children, you know, where, for instance, we're working right now on a situation of where, unfortunately, the father uh, kills the mother in the presence of the children. Oh, gosh. Uh, and this has been really almost 12 years ago. And we're trying to make sure that those children have a good uh, atmosphere. Their grandmother took them over, but we were had to work with the grandmother because, unfortunately, she didn't have a house large enough to take care of five children. 
uh, so that she would not qualify for some of the services that you would have because if you provide services, you have to meet federal guidelines. So we've worked with her, and we're still working with her to try to make sure as the children grow up that they have an opportunity to get over what had to be a tremendous traumatic experience because the mother was killed with a knife, which is a very difficult thing to get over. Oh, definitely. Well, I know you represent some of the county's poorest neighborhoods, so you must see a lot of things that are heartbreaking. But there's some very positive things. You know, what we have done is we've established a foundation and working with the community and with the business community where we have year-round swimming, and already what we have had in terms of our aquatic foundation is you've had the ability for some schools that no longer had a swim team to be able to go to Victoria Park and have a a swim team there at uh, uh, Ted Watkins Park for them to be able to go there since it's more months during the year. You have people who can go and swim, and you can have swim team where those schools don't necessarily certainly have swimming pools, so you don't have swim team. But also we've had young people to come through those programs who become junior Olympians and some to get scholarships to go to college. So these things are very important. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, those are great programs. Um, can you give me a, an example of someone that might have gone on to college because of this? Do you know anybody personally? Well, we have or? two people who are really wonderful examples. One is a young woman who went to UCLA Okay, and uh, she had went through the program, and she is just about to graduate, uh, and is participating on swim team. We have one young man who's back working in our swimming pools, who went through the program. Okay, um, where what area do you feel that you made the most difference? I really believe in the area of working in public-private partnerships, and also working with children. Okay. Um, And what were some of your defining moments in office? I know for the past 16 years you've um, been L.A. County supervisor. And what were some of the most, you know, defining moments while you were there? Well, you know, I have to share with you another uh, children's story. One of the things that we do is that during the summer we have foster children. We have two programs. One, we have one where we call Fishing in the City, and they go to the uh, Kinnehan Park, and the park has fish, and they're able to go there, and they learn how to fish, and the seniors help them with their fishing and uh, their hook, baiting their hook, and so that they can catch fish, and then we have people who clean the fish so they can take them home and eat them. But another program we have is taking children from Children and Family Services, foster children, to the beach. And one day we had a young man who was like, I think he was about eight or nine, and he got on the bus and he got sick. So they called his mother and his foster mother and she said, okay, she would meet him and take him back home. And he said, well, no, you know, when I think I, when I see the beach, I know I'll get well. Oh. <laughs> So you'd say the programs where you're working with children are probably the most meaningful? Absolutely, the most meaningful. And the stories that come out of them are the ones that make the difference. Oh, I bet. Um, Now, for your own life, I know you have a husband and two children. Right. Is it hard to balance work and family? Well, what I've always done is, first of all, is that you do have to balance. 
you have to set aside time for your children and for your husband and scheduling. I think that the whole key to everything in terms of being able to carry on multiple roles is to schedule your time. And I always say I also schedule my personal time, my exercise time (laughs) in that schedule as well. But make sure that you have in your schedule those things that your children have to do. For instance, tonight, my daughter, who's now 34, she has an event this evening. I have that on my schedule. I'll be there. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're doing a good job of it. I'm trying. (laughs) Um. Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences with your constituents? Well, we have many issues with our constituents. Uh, I'm sure you know that we have the gang violence is devastating. Uh, Many issues that are very difficult to address. But also, we have constituents who have a real dedication and interest in their community. And every community I go into... You have people who are there watching out and making sure that their parks are good, that they want to make sure that the parks are drug-free, gang-free, so that people can enjoy the parks. We have active community groups that are homeowner groups as well as, as neighborhood groups that are working to try to better the community. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's the west side of the community or the south side. We have a, always a group of dedicated people who are involved and want to be there and who watch everything. And that's good. (laughs) Okay. Um, And going back to, I guess, early in your career, can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges you faced early on? Well, I think that uh, early on it was a matter that there weren't very many women in politics. And making a decision that you would get in and try to raise the money to get involved in terms of campaigns. All of those things were very difficult. But I had the benefit, I was a lawyer, and people would often look at me as a lawyer rather than a woman. And as a result, I was able to do a lot of things. But I have to tell you that I had many experiences in California legislature and in Congress that were very different than you would have today because it was a time when the system was not one that encompassed women. You know, there was not, often there were meetings that were taking place at clubs that didn't even allow women in the club unless they went there for a social event, you know. So uh, it was a matter of overtaking not just the uh, system in getting elected, but most of all, uh, being able to fit in and move up in that system in a meaningful way with some of the external problems in terms of discrimination against minorities and women that existed. Okay. Um, can you give me any other examples of some of the barriers that you said besides, you know, meetings that didn't allow women in them? What other things did you did Well, you face? I tell you, frankly, when I went to Sacramento and I tried to get an apartment, I, so I did it, I rented the apartment by phone, but then when the person found out who I was, they called back and said it was not available. Well, what I did is I got a white friend to go in. She rented it, and then I sued and was very successful in getting that apartment. So it was all of the things that are around you, even more so than some of the immediate things. Uh, You know, a big discussion when I went to Sacramento, who's going to sit next to her? No one wanted to uh, sit next to uh, a 
a seatmate who was a woman or an African-American woman, but there was always one person who would say, yes, I'll sit next to her because I want to sit next to her. Okay. Wow. And I know, I mean, at this time it was hard to progress as a woman. I can't imagine um, dealing, being an African-American. That must have been even harder. Well, absolutely. So what was it like to start your political career when, you know, during a time when racial tensions were so high? Well, actually, I think that I was very fortunate that I was able to deal with it. You know, I think that some women would have possibly, or some uh, African Americans may not have been uh, as adaptable. But my approach always was, you know, if something happened to me, like that apartment, I would fight it out. And I think that the difference is if you're willing to go on and try to do something, you know you're right, and you know you should be able to do it, and you stick with it, then you're able to overcome many of these barriers. Were there any times when you were ready to just give up? Uh, you know, not really, because I think that most of the time I came out angry <laughs> and just saying, you know, I'm not going to let them do that to me. And anger will just make you try harder. That's right. <laughs> um, well, that's good. And I know now you're, um, after 40 years, your political career is coming to an end. That's right. Do you feel like your work is done? Well, I uh, am an attorney. I'm not going back to practicing law. But I have gone back to school, and I'm going to become a mediator. Uh, I don't know whether I will continue in a very active way in the community. I think it's very important when you move out of a position to let the next person take the position and move in and not have people looking at the previous office holder. So I will really be moving away from the activities in the community. I'll be moving away from all of the organizations that I have been part of. I will be, as I said, I'll be working as a mediator. I will be doing some of the things I've put off for such a long time. Like maybe a vacation? Absolutely. <laughs> Where are you planning on going? Well, I've, uh, obviously I will spend some time going down to Mexico, but I hope to be able to plan some really exciting visits and vacation spots. And you said your daughter, she's a little bit older, but does she live around here as well? Yeah, oh, yes. yes. Okay. So you my daughter and stepdaughter. My stepdaughter is in the immediate vicinity and works with me, yes. Oh, Okay. So no, no uh, vacations to go see them. Sometimes no. it's nice when people move away <laughs> so you have an excuse. Go, <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I know you're endorsing Bernard Parks for county right. supervisor. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think he's the right candidate and what you hope to see in the future? Well, I have supported him because I just think he has the kind of experience to take on this kind of a position. The fact that he was chief of police, he worked his way up through the police department, and as chief of police, he had those responsibilities of employees, of difficult issues, dealing with them. And chief of police of Los Angeles is a very meaningful and a very important kind of position. In addition to that, his experience as chair of the finance committee in the city council, I have watched him and I have worked with him at MTA and SCAG and other places. I know that he's very thorough and he does look at the financial issues we have great challenges here in terms of our financial situation. The reason why we don't have a huge deficit is because we plan ahead and avoid some of those pitfalls of sometimes taking the things you'd like to do, putting them off 
particularly at a time if you don't have the full resources. I believe he's a person who's going to be able to manage the finances and the budget. Okay. And what changes do you hope to see? Uh, well, I hope before I leave that we're on our way to opening Martin Luther King Hospital. I hope to have all my parks built up and, and modernized and my libraries modernized. And those are the things I'm trying to finish. But one thing that is a major, major issue for me is uh, the uh, oil wells over in Baldwin Hills, the long-term planning so that when those oil wells stop, that there will be a park there rather than industrial or commercial going into that land. And I've been working on that the whole time I'm here, acquiring the surface uh, with a joint powers authority, acquiring easements over all of that land. We're going to have what's called a community standard district that will go in to hopefully establish parameters so that those people who live around those oil wells will not be unnecessarily impacted by the existence of that field as it goes lesser and lesser and ultimately closes down. Have you been, have you talked to some of the families that live around there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, we have a conservancy. I was there this morning, yes. And what are they saying? Are they... Well, some of them have complaints in terms of noise and, com- and complaints as far as uh, smells and various things. And also... One of the things I want is to change the way it looks so that there is planting around the field so that everyone, as they drive through there, do not have to look at something that should not exist in the center of a city. And who are you working with to get this done? Well, first of all, I, there is a joint powers authority between the uh, Culver City, the state of California, and Los Angeles County, which is the entity that has put money together to make acquisitions of this surface land so that when the leases are up, we'll have control of the land. There is also a conservancy that was established by the state, which is where I was this morning, a member of that conservancy, that also is involved in planning for the future and also trying to get together funds that can take care of various things as we move along. One of the things we were able to do early on in an area where there was no drilling, is what are the is a, a Ladera Little League field and soccer fields that has went in a long time ago when we were able to acquire land with the fee and with no lease on it, so that we could open up that Ladera Little League on Fairfax and Slauson. Our hope is to continue to try to plan for the rest of that as some of the wells uh, are abandoned. Okay. And um, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, you said uh, finances. One of the greatest challenges um, for the board was finances. What other other challenges are they facing? Well, basically, there's a diverse community. There is a challenge in terms of health care, a huge uninsured population in Los Angeles. One out of three people has no insurance. They're dependent upon the public hospital, and we're the ones who provide those public hospitals a tremendous deficit in that health system. So hopefully at a time not too far in the future, we'll have national health insurance that will take some of this burden off of the county for health care. I agree with you on that. (laughs) Um, And just a few more things. We'll wrap this up. Uh, You've inspired women and minorities, and you've become a spokeswoman for the underrepresented. 
Can you give me an example of one of your most rewarding experiences? I guess, when did you realize how great of an impact that you had on other people? Well, I, as I walk around and I go places, I run into young girls and women, not young girls. I run into women who say to me in many instances, well, you know, I said, well, if you could do it, I could do it. If you were able to have a child in Congress, I certainly could have a child while I was going about my career. If you were willing to go to law school and you were able to go in at a time when there were so few women lawyers, today when there are 50% of the class is lawyers, I can become a lawyer, I can do some of these things. And that's really what has uh, been the most impressive thing to me in terms of making me feel that everything is worthwhile. So many uh, women come to me of every race, uh, every background, and they say, well, you know, we were able to see someone who did these things and as a result felt that it was doable. Wow. That must be such an amazing uh, feeling to have people coming up to you and telling you that. And it happens every day. Does it really? Yes. Wow. I'm sure you get a lot of fan mail. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you wish to add about your experiences in the past 40 years? (laughs) Well, what I would say is I would really encourage women to be involved. Uh, I would encourage minorities to get involved because you have to be part of the system. And even though it's important to be in your community, it's important to be involved in advocacy groups, Ultimately, someone has to bite the bullet and get involved in government. Wow, that's so great. Um, I think that's about it, unless there's anything else. But that's it. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was thank really you. great talking with you. Nice talking to you. And um, have a great weekend. Same to you. Thank you. Bye. Mm, bye.